0: Hello and welcome back to the Ebby Online podcast. This week I'm joined by Dr David Holmes who some of you may know from the Crime and Investigation Network's documentary series Born to Kill. Dr. David Holmes is a psychologist that has specialised in clinical and forensic psychology for a number of decades. He has graced the pages of many magazines and newspapers as he has a wealth of knowledge and expertise in many of these matters. I reached out to him after becoming interested in researching into a trend where women on TikTok contact criminals in prisons in America, striking up relationships with these often violent offenders and traveling abroad to marry these men behind bars. I stumbled across the term hybristophilia, and it all began to make sense for me. I also wanted to understand why many women fangirl over serial killers like Ted Bundy and the Columbine school shooters to name a few. If you haven't already, please give my podcast a rating and subscribe on whatever platform you are streaming this episode from. Continue listening to find out more about why some women go out of their way to write to and fall in love with violent criminals that are behind bars. Just jump into it. I'm going to start by asking, what is hybristophilia and how common is this type of paraphilia?
1: In, as a paraphilia, yes, it's um, not too common, but generally speaking, if you look across the population and not really focus on prisoners and high profile criminals um, that have some kind of uh, attraction uh, to certain females, um, I do say females because this is almost exclusively a female thing It have this um, uh, odd, if you like uh, arousal and attraction to people who outrage um, who put outrage on someone um, generally speaking they're often high profile killers serial killers high profile prisoners um, and this kind of packages in other motives if you like uh, for any kind of relationship or any kind of attraction <clears throat> so uh, bristophilia is the, the kind of paraphilia uh, paraphilia is the, um, the liking or the loving of the unknown if you like um, or something beyond the norm uh, and certainly um, serial killers are usually beyond the norm um, now it, it can be based on various other factors that come in. I mean, it's often sort of like um, aligned with the idea of um, perhaps um, long-standing uh, females being attracted to powerful males, uh, males who can dominate, males who were able to protect them, um, so that the um, you know in an evolutionary kind of survivalist kind of way. Um, But this kind of becomes uh, distorted and disturbed, if you like, by the kind of publicity perhaps that we um, surround serial killers with, um, as if they were some kind of um, superhuman, in a way, that they have this callous ability to rise above us and kill others. Um, It's not something that most people would subscribe to in the cold light of day, um, but uh, many kind of females will feel the kind of level of this uh, when reading about, say, um, some powerful vampire in some fiction, um, which is one of the kind of ways that we kind of glamorise this entire attraction, the idea of this callous male that will come into your life, come through your window at a beckoning and sweep you away, and, in fact, kill you. Um, but there again, um, it's horses for courses, isn't it? Um, There is some other practical sort of um, reasons have been put through, particularly for females that uh, want to marry and have a long-term relationship uh, with, say, a prisoner. Um, The idea of a safe relationship, something that can never really be consummated, um, and avoids all the kind of day-to-day attrition that uh, relationships tend to uh, bring along with them. And they're very good for kind of love-avoidant females, Uh, ones that want a kind of relationship, want all the kind of um, glamour around a relationship, but without the laundry or the cooking or any of the practicalities of having a relationship. You also have this privilege of having someone as your beck and call, if you like, emotionally, um, because they ain't got somebody else, and um, you know where they are 24-7. You are quite free to do what you like and just report into them. So, in some ways, it could be an ideal relationship. Uh, in many other ways, obviously, it's certainly not. Um, there have been quite a long history of females falling for the kind of most evil um, individuals, uh, and, and most serial killers do get fan mail. Um, there, there's quite a long list, and it usually starts with Ted Bundy, um, because he was kind of like quite an attractive uh, killer, and he was quite um, eloquent, and he was very charming, which is how he actually operated. He, you know, he killed 13 people, mostly students, mostly female, and she. It was generally speaking, someone who charmed, disarmed, and then killed. Um, and in a very kind of surprising way. Um, It went to the extent of individuals looking at the kind of victims that he had, uh, their kind of identity, their their, their features, their brown hair, long brown hair, etc., etc. And you would have large numbers of females outside his courtroom, in fact, um, dressed very much like, even dyeing their hair, to look like his victims in some kind of weird uh, cult-like homage to to this serial killer. Um, He uh, had, needless to say, hundreds of love letters, hundreds of uh, accolades, hundreds of offers of marriage. Um, And there was one female, uh, Caroline Boone, uh, who Ted Bundy actually proposed to in court during her testimony and uh, she accepted and she did actually give birth to a daughter which was rumoured to be Ted Bundy's Um, this kind of extent, if you like uh, of this, what we call hebristophilia um, can, as it were, be quite alarming and obviously it can actually, you know, give publicity and that is one of the other clear and obvious reasons that perhaps um, you know, instead of doing going on strictly or something, uh, some failing celebrity could actually uh, go and try and marry a serial killer and equally get some kind of publicity, and perhaps align themselves publicly with this figure. Um, So it's a case of um, evolutionary need, perhaps, uh, versus the kind of social um, privileges, if you like of having a relationship with someone who is famous for not the best of reasons, infamous in fact, um, and having this high profile romance, if you like, very public, um, nothing very much in private, I'm afraid. Um, But um, there are also nurturant females, um, females who actually think that they can um, cure they can uh, nurture out of, that they can reform these people um, to um, giving them love and care and attention, um, which no doubt they would lap up uh, and use for other purposes. Um, The idea of softening the heart of a serial killer is pretty much um, an impossible task, but one which some do subscribe to. Uh, They see the little boy lost in his brutal acts and want to nurture them. there are a kind of um, a sector, if you like, of females. They're, they're not that uncommon, um, who tend to be understimulated um, by normal everyday life, if you like, and they want far, far more uh, in terms of excitement um, and thrills. And um, the idea of marrying a librarian would be mm, really, really not um, on the list at all. Um, So they require, if you like, a lot more stimulation. It may be that they would actually um, accept a level of violence, they would accept a level of abuse, um, purely and simply to have a very stimulating and challenging relationship. And these females do tend to be attracted To rather violent males, and do actually form a contingent of those individuals who do marry uh, violent males and end up married to them as prisoners. Um, They often may have, say, borderline personality disorder, and generally, you know, it it is a known sort of configuration for females, uh, mostly. And again this matches up with the idea that nearly all of these individuals uh, with a are female.
0: I've, um, oh, sorry. Yes. I've noticed that um, online when I was doing research into this, a lot of women, it's just so glamorised now, but they will be saying things like, I was so bored, so I decided to message a prisoner. But then when you see the actual videos, they're treating these sites like dating websites. They're trying to find the most attractive one. They go through their crimes and then they will message them. Why are they, like, if you wanted to pay pimp out and you were lonely, you could message someone from the military or the elderly. Why does it have to be a prisoner? Why do you think these women are going out of their way to even consider messaging someone that's so dangerous? Is it is it partly a social contagion because it's so popular now? Or... Because for me, I don't find criminals attractive. So <laughs> this is why I've got you on today. I find the whole the whole topic so <laughs> so interesting. It would it yeah, they criminals kind of and murderers repulse me. So to when I see women that are obsessing over them and then marrying them, I want to understand it. So sorry, my question's gone a bit wild, but why do you think they choose these people over the elderly or um, military? If they if they are lonely, why do they pretend like they were just looking for a friend or they were just interested? Because it seems like they're just looking for romance. Why not be open about it?
1: Yeah, and maybe they're not actually looking for romance. They're actually looking for something of interest, um, something to tell their mates about, something they can blag about. Um, and maybe it's also the fact that they are fascinated. And It may be that there is this kind of... Contemporary move towards this kind of thing, and that this kind of idea of dating criminals um, becomes acceptable in some strange way as being kind of the hit thing to do. Um, but it, it, it still kind of like has these trails of you are dealing with somebody who's behind bars, they're safe, you know, they're not going to actually come round and knock on your door um, or climb up your drain pipe. So it's, um, it's a case of maybe it's a safe way of doing the dating and they still as you say resort to how good looking they are etc etc and, and the usual criteria that women would do if they went through tinder yeah
0: <laughs> listen i i'd like to ask you next um why do they not seem to be worried about that criminal hate, like hurting them? Because even though they could be a mass murderer, some of these women seem to downplay their crimes, give excuses and seem to think that they won't be harmed. When I've seen cases, I think I was listening to something where two sisters got bored of their marriage and children, married um, two prisoners, and one of them got let out and then he strangled her to death.
1: Yeah, I mean, there is... Um... There's another aspect, if you like, buried in, uh, that's more of a kind of um, human thing, a trait that we have that sometimes goes awry. Um, And it's kind of like called identification with the aggressor. It's it's, uh, kind of based on authoritarianism, the idea that if you join them, you're safe because they're not going to hurt you because you're one of them. So if you're their friend, you're their close friend, you're their wife, then you're going to be protected because you don't need to fear them. Mm. And that is the kind of the mechanism that they kind of um, kind of put up or um, suggested uh, to underlie the way that in Nazi Germany that uh, most of the Germans kind of aligned themselves with Hitler, etc., because it was safer to do that. I'm one of you, therefore I no longer fear you. Uh, and this is the kind of authoritarianism um, per se that's um, that's proposed to cover this. And it's similar thing would be operating here in that these ladies would be thinking, well, you know, this is a fearsome horrific person, but if I'm his best friend, then I'm going to be totally safe. And it's other people that have to fear me. Um, So in a way, um, you're kind of towering yourself with the same brush, um, but willingly, and in order to kind of enter this envelope of protection.
0: From the work you've done and cases, cases you've seen, what do you think murderers and violent criminals get out of being contacted by women that want relationships with them? I know many of them are narcissistic and but (laughs) could you break it down please
1: yes i mean they're not doing a lot else put it that way um so it, it is yes it's entertaining i mean some prisoners have kind of refused any contact um but in a way, that's kind of upping their game to some degree. They've kind of put themselves above the average prisoner who would uh, accept love letters, etc., and communication with, with uh, individuals outside. Um, but um, there are those who really lap it up uh, and make a thing of it, you know. Um, I mean, some have been kind of married more than once uh, in prison, you know. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think, Charles Bronson. Uh, by name as such um, his, I think his latest wife was Paula Williamson who I think was an ex-Coronation Street star so that might be the kind of career path that she was choosing um, but it would have given her a lift in terms of publicity though maybe not the lift that most kind of actors would like to have um, but there, there are many and there, there are those that I mean Kate and Jeffrey Dahmer, for instance, is is a pretty interesting one. Um, he has many, many, many um, sort of uh, female fans and female uh, females who send love letters and gifts and money, and um, which is really surprising considering he is completely gay and a cannibal. Um, it, it, it does kind of beg. Do they actually discriminate, or would anybody do, who is famous and in the limelight, Um, maybe those who discriminate and who stick, as it were, loyally to one individual, are the ones that deserve closer inspection?
0: What are the dangers of of contacting them? Does it sometimes egg on the the prisoner and, and glorify their crimes?
1: Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> you know, the idea that what they've done deserves this fan mail, <laughs> deserves these, these um, fans and hundreds, in some cases, um, in some way kind of will legitimise in their own minds at least um, that what they've done is in some way admirable. Um, which um, is kind of totally you know against you know all kind of legal strictures and any kind of punishment um, sort of ideology uh, goes out the window it's just it's just amazing that these people will um the glory in what they've done and it, it does encourage them and if they're in this small world where the only kind of input they get is um, post-court it is it's, um, fan mail and people adoring them, then what kind of message are they getting from humanity? Um, albeit a select one, um, it's the only one they tend to get. So it's not really um, conducive to uh, reform or um, in any way them feeling guilty for what they've done.
0: I've seen multiple stories and videos about British women contacting men behind bars in America falling in love with them, and then going overseas to visit and then marry them. Throughout your career as a psychologist, have you seen many cases of this happening? And why do you think it has become so popular now? Because during COVID, this really picked up online. I don't know if you've seen that. And then even after COVID now, we've got so many new TV shows about it called Prison Brides, which is the latest one that I've been watching whilst I've been on the treadmill at the gym. But... Um, yeah there's so many women from this country that have gone on to these pen pal sites and then within like the space of two weeks of writing to them, they've put money on their books and then they're flying out there to marry them and And one woman was is willing to wait she's twenty five the prisoner is 27 he was done for a very violent crime. He's got 50 years and she's willing to wait that and to not be into it with anyone else. And it I don't know, it just seems quite, I don't want to say delusional in a rude way, but it seems very fantasy land. Why do you think there's just been this uptick in this? What's, what's the uh, appeal compared to a free man on the outside compared to someone you're dating on the inside? Because I think a free man is much more appealing than a prisoner.
1: Well, I would have thought so. I'm not a female, but then again, I mean, given those strictures, yes. I think we fall back on that idea that it's a, a safe relationship. It's not somebody who's going to run away, um, you know, um, right, some petition might be waiting 25 years or 30 years or 50 years, um, but it, it's kind of theoretical. Um, and he has no choice. Um, but she does all the way down the line. So in a way, all this kind of dedication is is really kind of fairly limited because, you know, the day after tomorrow, she could just suddenly change her mind and go off with an a accessible terrestrial man that is, exists in the real world, if you like. Um, but it's kind of... Um, idea of being the the plaintive one waiting on the outside for the true love to come out um, is maybe, yes, following an ideal too far. Um, She's almost writing her own fiction here. Um, And it's a kind of fictional account that will not, if you like, um, ever um, really come to fruition in the way that she thinks of it. Um, It's idealistic and and these people that that she is laying her life on the line for are really not ideal people they they are fallible to the, to the extreme uh, and possibly um I mean I'm not I don't know whether this guy is actually a serial killer or not um, but they often are and one of the prerequisites for being a serial killer is quite simply 95% of them are psychopaths which basically means You are picking the worst kind of person on the planet to have any kind of relationship with because they will not, as it were, fulfill their side of the bargain. Um, Yes, they will impregnate you, but no, they will never bring up your children and no, they will not be around to do so. And these are individuals who manipulate others, have no feelings whatsoever and absolutely no conscience whatsoever. So what they say and what they do, are usually entirely different things.
0: I noticed that a lot of these women say they want to change these men, and they enjoy being wanted and needing and having a relationship where they have most of the control, as they know where the man is at all times and they know he's not cheating. A big question that I have pondered is if the majority of these people have low self-esteem, and is there more likely a chance that they have um, some sort of childhood trauma? that would make this more possible.
1: Yeah, it is possible that they may have had childhood trauma. In fact, a, a number of females traced back, you know, have often had um, some kind of violent relationship with a parent um, or somebody close um, and or abuse in that kind of way. And in a way, they've kind of come to kind of accept that as being part of their life's... Um, but they've got to pay for life, as it were. And, and in, in a way, they kind of see it as um, as normalized to a greater extent than we could ever see it as being any, in any way normal to have somebody who is powerful, abusive, uh, and possibly would pose them a, a, a mortal threat uh, in life uh, and overlook that entirely uh, and try and see them for something else, something entirely Um, fictional entirely made up and entirely their
0: own creation. I know you you touched on people with BPD, borderline personality, and from my own research and from guests that I've had on that actually have that diagnosis and from speaking to a very well-known narcissist, he says that they often find each other people with um psych psych who are psychopaths often tend to be drawn to people with bpd women with bpd and women with bpd really tend to match up with them and there's this dance that they do so i can kind of understand that but with my research with hybristophilia, um i was listening to i think it was some sort of documentary thing on bonnie and clyde syndrome which is another name for it and I can kind of relate it to people like Maxine Carr that help the killers. Could you kind of touch base on that a bit more, if you know what I'm trying to say?
1: Um, yeah, the ones that join. Yes, yes. yes. Um, this is this is the thing. Um, if you have that kind of mindset, you do require that level of excitement. Um, you are probably not that far away. Um, from having a similar career yourself, albeit perhaps not. Cold-bloodedly, serially killing people, but perhaps in violent relationships, um, you know, sequentially um, hurting, harming others um, as 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 a, a similar. Um, kind of personality and something that would be compatible if you were in a body and Clyde situation on the rung and you could see yourself as a gangster 's mole uh, in that a lot of people would be absolutely terrified to be in that position um most sort of normal sentient individuals uh, would not want that level of excitement i mean I was used to think of um, the idea, well, it's actually a true fact, um, is that we live on continuums of, of excitement and boredom, and we move along those, and, and most people jump off that excitement, boredom kind of a continuum uh, fairly early on, um, as it gets kind of more, more frightening, uh, and perhaps even uh, deadly. Um, so we, we, we don't go that far, whereas individuals with that kind of psychology who have... Um, borderline personalities or personalities in a similar way uh, that are distorted um, are able to withstand massive amounts of, of excitement, fear, and um, and circumstances in which, basically, I, I've been there myself, I, I know what I'm, I'm talking about, is you, you find yourself in the company of a large number of people, you're, you're a one-off, and they're about you know, 20 or 30 people, and they all behave in an extremely sort of violent and threatening way, and you're not. And you feel incredibly, I want to get out of here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be with these people. It is not my thing. Whereas other people are actually quite comfortable and find that actually finds it, it, it's their norm. It's where they want to sit, because otherwise they just get bored and start attacking things and, you know, really kind of like doing themselves harm uh, through boredom, drink, whatever. Um, So, you know, maybe horses for courses, but some people do have that kind of psychology whereby they require a lot more fear in their lives than others.
0: And what sort of help could somebody that... (sighs) Thinks that they're they've got hybrisophilia and they've gone to the extent of contacting serial killers and seeking relationships with dangerous individuals. What type of psychological help can be given to them? What would what would you give to them?
1: <laughs> um, yeah. When I'm doing my training, we we had this kind of uh, how would you treat various disorders and various kind of. Uh, and there was always this kind of um, thing whereby you would say, well, you know, if you were treating someone with depression, you know, you'd have to really sort of beef yourself up and be ready for the long haul. And well, it's going to be really hard work to try and treat this person and try and levitate them out of it. And, and someone with, I don't know, um... <clears throat> Autism, you know, it's again a long haul and you're really, really just doing it step by step and giving them, you know, a way of of having a different life and a better life, you know, step by step, etc. But somebody with borderline personality, um, they described it as kind of like uh, a bit of tumbleweed floating to the ground as the therapists have all left the building. Um, It's not not something that people want to subscribe to uh, because it actually can be harmful for the therapist. It's that difficult.
0: And oftentimes, I know with um, psychopathy, therapy doesn't really help them because you're just teaching them how to manipulate people more. Is that kind of... (laughs) Is that similar or is it different or...? Um,
1: Well, you got it dead right there for psychopaths, yes. You actually, you know, you give them new tricks, as it were, and show them, you know, insights into how you can manipulate people further and things you can say that, you know, will, yeah. Um, It it doesn't tend to apply quite so much to people with borderline and and similar um, disorders. Uh, in that they tend not to learn <laughs> at all. They just tend to repeat the behaviour and repeat their, their kind of thinking, their anger, their um, blaming others, etc. cetera. Um, that, unfortunately, protects them, if you like, from therapy.
0: Interesting. And before we wrap up, I just want to ask you lastly, um, what do you think of people that tend to love true crime and can it sometimes be a passive form of hybristophilia where they're not going to go and contact the killer but they enjoy watching documentaries on very (laughs) violent killers and, and very violent crimes because even with uh what are their names the columbine murderers um they're very glorified now on certain corners of the internet and i know that they're dead um but there's there's whole pages and documentaries and people that are into really gruesome aspects of it and i think it can be quite hard for the victims and the families that are left behind of those that have been slaughtered yes. by these killers but do you think true crime lovers are kind of a passive form of that <laughs>
1: Um, Well, somebody who's been on lots and lots of crime documentaries. Am I guilty of making this worse? Um, (laughs) Basically. I I know that the Columbine killers do get fan mail and and love letters and what have you, even posthumously. Um, uh, But um, no, I I don't know. I've met lots and lots of people who are absolute ardent fans of true crime, you know, and follow it to the hilt. And they don't really strike me as in any way dangerous. Um, They do tend to be more of the kind of, um, excuse me, nerdy type of individual uh, and um, very kind of bright. They're usually um, more intelligent uh, than their uh, contemporaries and the people they mix with. Um, I'm not trying to big up my audience here. It's, It's just, it just strikes you that yes, um, okay, my average audience for uh, true crime documentaries is uh, you know the the average um, middle class housewife whose kids have gone off to school are a little bit bored and they, they tend to get involved in these things, but um, the mainstay the really ardent fans tend to be very bright, um, very kind of interesting very intellectually stimulating and um, they don't seem to pose any kind of threat. They're certainly not borderline, uh, and they do tend to um, consume very large amounts. Maybe it is some kind of passive, um, I'd like, well, you know, maybe if that was just their friend or, you know, um, there might be some kind of element, but there has to be something that says, yes, they get involved in this kind of documentary rather than some other kind of documentary, which is, as it were, uh, less to do with crime and, and danger and damage. Um, so so the, there must be some kind of self-selection process. But it, they do seem to find that this is their thing and they know it better than I do. They know that subject so well.
0: What cases and what type of people have you come across that um, want to to marry these people and fall in love with them? If you can speak about it, I know you you can't, probably can't mention names, but what type of thing have you seen in your, because you've had a long, long career of this. So I'm sure you must've seen and heard a load of stuff.
1: The the inside gossip. Yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I have have kind of seen the kind of um, double layered, uh, approach to it where somebody you know suddenly proffers all this kind of gen- so-called genuine you know I, I want to support this person I, I really feel for them you know and they you know they were mistreated blah 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 and did this and that uh, and then you get this kind of sudden feeling that no they're kind of weighing up the level of publicity that they can get out of this for their own selfish needs um, so you do get a lot of that when when that when that is actually absent it's very worrying To hear these people literally bigging up that some of the most despicable people on the planet uh, and um, and some of the things they've done, I kind of just dismissed. As if, as if they you know knocked a load of plates over or something like that in the kitchen and, and you know it was awful at the time but never mind we all get over it and you know and and this you know you've got to look at the bigger picture and this person really is you know somebody you know who's got an element of something they, they have something about that you know and they almost convince you that actually you misjudge these people that have killed 12 people and you know that kind of thing um, But it it does deeply undermine um, the morals of our society uh, when we have this kind of behaviour. And although we can kind of smile and look at it and think, Jesus, that's ridiculous, um, it does exist. And it is kind of worrying um, that these people, not only at this point when they're safe in prison, But prior to that, when they're actually out killing sprees or orchestrating it, I'm thinking of uh, actually Manson himself, um, you know, and they've got cult followers. Um, It it is scary that somehow or other being a mover and shaker in this way, whether it's evil or not, does bring about some kind of affection from females.
0: This is the last question. Um, I thought I'd sneak this in here. But has anyone that you've dealt with throughout your your time as a, a psychologist, who was it that made your hair like stand up on the back of your neck? What was the, the creepiest, weirdest person that you've had to, to deal with that is very disordered?
1: Um, very difficult to, want to answer that one. Um, I've often, you know, had the had the willies with people like uh West mm. Um, mm. Fred West, etc, where it kind of really goes beyond um what you would consider to be just an evil person but someone who actually gains a massive amount of pleasure um from carrying out um you know horrific torturous crimes against children uh it, it just Mega's belief or against his own children it it just pushes it that bit further and and makes you kind of go no it's an alien
0: would would his wife rose west would that kind of be seen as bonnie and clyde syndrome and what's the other one's name the Moors murderers that too yes is, yes is that an example of kind of but when two people get together and they can just be wicked you know
1: yes it's uh, they they are classically uh, um uh, Pendley and Brady would be kind of considered the Bonnie and Clyde of the modern age, if you like, um, basically because she was someone who he, as it were, brought into the, the idea of, of evil and killing as being a good thing. And um, she was overly easily uh, let. Um, so there was obviously something very, very missing in her. But um, but yes, that, that would be um, a particular... Particularly good example of that Bonnie and Clyde syndrome in reality.
0: And where can people expect to see you next? Because obviously I'm familiar with your face from many crime documentaries and many of your appearances on the sofa of like Good Morning Britain and stuff. Um, But where can people expect to see you next? And where can they find you if they want to follow what you're up to?
1: (laughs) Uh, I don't keep such a high profile. Uh, (laughs) um, Well, I'm on Facebook and I'm on um, uh, social media and um, I also have a channel on YouTube which has got little snippets on it um, but also some of the other stuff that I do uh, and it's Dr David Holmes uh, on YouTube um, with my face, obviously. But um, I don't really try and make a big thing of what I do in this area. I just tend to do it as and when required. Um, But there are many, many repeating documentaries. Uh, I think my classic series was the original Born to Kill series, uh, which I did with Robert Ressler. He he did the American ones and I did the British ones. So, you know, I was immediately elevated to quite high profile um, as he was the number one profiler in America, yes. (laughs)
0: thank you so much for your time honestly it's a pleasure because learning from an expert you know about these things and I know so many other people will be interested but for me as a journalist I kind of get obsessed with certain ideas and I was like I need to understand this and then last week I was interviewing someone that focuses on boarding school syndrome I don't know if you've heard that but I just love psychology and I'm always trying to learn about stuff and I know my listeners will enjoy this episode very much enjoy your study why don't you you go do it i'm honestly i've done two degrees now i'm gonna stick to journalism thank you for listening to the ebby online podcast please don't forget to give my podcast a rating and a follow